Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on Palm Sunday, March 28, 2021. In the name of the one who was and is and is to come, Hosanna in the highest. And Palm Sunday begins with Jesus telling his disciples to do something dangerous. He actually instructs them to commit horse theft. And Jesus also arguably tells them to lie about it. Jesus says, if people ask you why you're untying the colt, Tell them its master needs it. This is a moment when our common English Bible translation that we've been using at Holy Communion for a while now, it pulls a nuance out of the Greek. Jesus doesn't just say, the Lord hath need. Jesus says, its master. Jesus is pushing definitions. Palm Sunday asks us to question the categories and the expectations, to shout Hosanna, to cast aside our cloaks and dance our way into a new way of looking at the world. Every gospel writer tells the story of Palm Sunday, and the details vary a bit. Matthew and John explain why Jesus would encourage theft. They quote Zechariah, who prophesied that the king would come to Jerusalem riding on a colt. Luke, like Mark, our gospel today, perhaps expects us to fill in that particular detail. But all agree that Jesus began up in Bethany, along the ridge of the Mount of Olives. Up there, you look down on the whole Kidron Valley. You look down on the Temple Mount, on the shorter Mount Zion. And today, the golden dome of the rock glows in the desert sun from the sacred precincts where the temple once stood. And from Bethany, where Palm Sunday begins, you look down on the holy city, on its ancient walls. And the two hills, Mount Zion and the Mount of Olives, they're close together and steep. And John's gospel also gives us the view from the other side. Religious leaders see the crowd thronging after Jesus. And throughout Jerusalem, you can look up and see the roads and footpaths on the Mount of Olives. And today, the hillside is covered with tombs and churches. You can see people praying by the graves. Ancient prophecies tell that the Messiah will arise on the Mount of Olives. Then the dead will rise and march into the holy city. And today, you can watch tourists taking camel rides from lookout points over Jerusalem. Staring up at that hillside in the first century, John puts worry in the mouths of the religious leaders. They see how many people have chosen to follow Jesus. They see the danger. John gives us a glimpse into the danger Jesus willingly courts on Palm Sunday. Remember, then as now, Palm Sunday comes at the beginning of the Passover, a blessed Passover to our Jewish siblings. The scholars John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Borg, they tell us that Palm Sunday wasn't the only parade that week. 
Pilate would have also been arriving from the opposite direction. Pontius Pilate would have paraded up from Caesarea on the sea, surrounded by legions of decorated soldiers, walking in step to arrive in Jerusalem ahead of the Passover. Banners flared on the ordered Roman road. Soldiers carried the latest in weapons technology, sharp points glinting in the sun. Pilate was coming for crowd control to ensure order as the pilgrims ascended for the festival. Pilate is there to intimidate the people into quote-unquote keeping the peace. In this context, Jesus tells his followers to steal a horse. Just as a huge cadre of police have arrived, Jesus smiles as the crowd dances, celebrates, waves their branches in the air, shouting Hosanna within earshot of Pilate's palace. In full view of that stairway where Jesus will be tried and sentenced. In full view of Golgotha, the hillside where Jesus will hang on a cross and die. Without a permit to march, in occupied territory, under the watch of murderous authorities, Jesus stages an outright, outrageously fun action. Today, I want to notice just two points about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. The first, Palm Sunday dangerously questions the wisdom of the social order. The second, Palm Sunday raises dangerous questions with nothing but disarmed hope. I've already been working on the first point. I think there's a reason Jesus has the unnamed disciples borrow that cult. And call me crazy, but I think the Bible includes Jesus' instructions to tell folks its master needs it for a reason. Jesus is calling the question, the same question from his parable about manna, about money and God. Who is your master? Whose command do you follow? Who is the Lord? That word is pack in ancient Rome. The salute to the emperor was Caesar is Lord. Saying Jesus is Lord comes with another implied meaning. It's saying Jesus is Lord and no one else. Remember Pilate's parade, Pilate's procession. It was all about order and security. It would have been impressive. The Romans made security an object of worship. Their parades showed off all their implements of security, cutting-edge weapons and technology. The army with their horses and banners filled the road. Pilate was in Jerusalem to intimidate the rabble-rousers. Pilate was there to provide security. Security for the status quo. Security can be an idol. It can become an object of worship. A desire to maintain a sense of comfort and control can become problematic. We've seen it in our streets. We've seen it as police have used illegal force to quash protest. Police departments in this city have been forced to settle lawsuits for millions of dollars because their officers decided to break protocol and violently seize control of the streets. We've seen it here in St. Louis as homeowners have brandished guns at protesters, threatening those who would dare to march down their street. Desperately clinging to security, to the status quo, 
it can really be problematic. Sometimes we long for security. The past two weeks have witnessed two more mass shootings in our country, in Atlanta and in Boulder, Colorado. And the second shooting took place just 20 minutes from where I grew up. No one that I know was hurt, but family and friends are asking again, why here? In a partial answer to their question, I noticed something in all of the news coverage this week. We've become accustomed this year to the language of pandemic. We've talked about the global pandemic of COVID. We've drawn comparisons, especially after the movement for black lives spread around the globe last summer. We've talked about the pandemic of racism. In the last two weeks, we've talked specifically about the legacy reality of anti-Asian racism in the U.S. and around the globe. But I noticed that the news has been careful, careful to talk only about the epidemic of gun violence. The epidemic, not the pandemic. Gun violence is only an epidemic, not a pandemic, because gun violence doesn't spread across the globe. Many other countries have been able to more effectively control gun violence. The question why here is thoroughly uncomfortable when there's an observable cause. The coronavirus pandemic and the gun violence epidemic intersect in the ongoing pandemic of racism. Gun violence, like the coronavirus, disproportionately affects communities of color. While the last two weeks have brought the first mass shootings in our country since the beginning of the coronavirus lockdowns, overall gun violence deaths were up significantly last year. And again, in St. Louis, guns ended the lives of far too many people of color. We all know partisan politics has made the coronavirus pandemic longer and worse. Early on, the virus was politicized, and the politics around the virus have cost lives. Our politics around the epidemic of gun violence continue to cost lives. It's measurable. The expansion of access to guns, which is a party priority for the leadership in our state, that expansion has cost lives. I know it's dangerous to ask these kind of questions about the social order, to make these observations. On Palm Sunday, Jesus knew what he was doing was dangerous. Jesus knew that allowing a crowd to shout Hosanna, to stage a demonstration on the Mount of Olives, Jesus knew this was revolutionary. You shout Hosanna to the Savior, the Rescuer, to the Messiah. But notice... Notice what they're waving. Brings me to my second point about Palm Sunday. We wave palm branches, but palms didn't exist in Jerusalem at the time. It was likely olive branches, symbol of peace in the air. There are no weapons mentioned. Jesus' crowd isn't ordered and ready for battle. Jesus' crowd is full of laughter. Jesus raises dangerous questions with nothing but disarmed hope. Christians are people of persistent, preposterous hope. Jesus knows what he is headed into, and he encourages the crowd anyway. Jesus encourages raucous, disarmed hope. 
It's hard to be Christian. It's hard to have persistent hope when we live with the 24-hour news cycle. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, NPR, they have become the background noise of our lives. Earlier this year, I finally turned off the notifications of breaking news on my phone. I just couldn't take it anymore. Even without the buzzes and banners, this week I couldn't escape the much-publicized impossibility the much-publicized impossibility of change. I heard talking head after talking head pontificate about our intractable partisan divide. It is hard to hope when the news is constant. I believe Jesus would encourage us. Hope anyway. Shout Hosanna. Dance your way through the streets in full view of the authorities. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Life-saving, scientifically-driven solutions could become bipartisan priorities. They could become human priorities. We can confront racism in our structures, our communities, and ourselves. One of my spiritual teachers, the Franciscan priest Richard Rohr, likes to say, we don't think our way into new ways of living. We live our way into new ways of thinking. We don't think our way into new ways of living. We live our ways into new ways of thinking. We're not going to think our way out of this. But we might risk being vulnerable. We might dance and laugh our way into a new political reality, into a new human reality. Sometimes you've just got to borrow a horse. The master needs it. I know it sounds preposterous, but the people who follow Jesus are invited to look a bit foolish. We are invited to take risks. We are invited to break with party orthodoxy for the sake, for the sake of recognizing the improbable. Jesus' followers are meant to cause a dangerous and celebratory ruckus with nothing but disarmed hope. That's the message of Palm Sunday. Persistent, festive hope. Even when the naysayers think they know the way the story is going. Persistent hope. Because we know that what might look like the end is only the beginning. Persistent, preposterous hope. Happy Palm Sunday. Amen.